welcome to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as ferocious as that tanking competition between Detroit and Houston, my friend. Those two teams, seven-game losing streaks apiece, they want Victor so bad. And, it is awful. You almost have to feel bad for Houston because you know that this comes down to the fact that Popovich played them on that weekend just a few weekends ago because they're Absolutely. like two they're two games now or what is it behind Detroit Detroit seems to be yeah. like very much you know in the running right at the front right now it's kind of hilarious yeah i mean losing the lot or i mean losing the most doesn't guarantee you the best uh pick and, you know there is a lottery so i would love it to see sacramento or san antonio to jump them Sorry, man, I got Sacramento in the brain because we're talking about them so much. <laughs> don't, don't give me the fantasy vibes of not only Sacramento ending their playoff route, but also getting a Wemby. No, that's that's too much talk. I don't want I don't want to get into Sacramento too early, man. That would be crazy. Let's let's return to our takes from last week, because, you know, I don't know about this Clippers team. I, I may have reverse cursed them at this point. They <laughs> they they set it up. They seem to be, you know, pretty much in this playoff race right now. I don't think they're going to fall into the play in anymore. Yeah, I think with five, six games left, the fact that they're the five seed, that right. they're just ahead of Golden State. I think Kawhi Leonard's playing some of the best basketball he's he's played in his career. The fact that Russell Westbrook was five of five from three last night. I mean, you tell me Russell can't hit a three. Like, come on, man. man it, it makes me so happy to see Russ succeeding, right? You know, I, I really thought that this team was the better LA option for him. And it, it's nice to see those moments thrive, especially when, you know, PG is down right now. Right. And yeah. uh, the Lakers got Russell because they thought, Hey, we need something to happen when we don't have LeBron, when we don't have AD and it didn't work out. Well, it seems to work out when Kawhi is your running weight and he is absolutely on fire. Like you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, he didn't play last night cause he was back to back, but you know, <laughs> Westbrook doing what he does, man, just absolutely stuffing the stash cheat and, I got to love to see it, but his old team did me dirty last week, man. I was three of four and OKC had to lose the Clippers and Kawhi, you know, on that animal run of his, but uh, man, I'm like, I'm shooting like 75% every week here. You know, it's, it's almost like you pay attention to the sport of basketball and, and you care <laughs> enough to think about putting some weight behind your predictions here, but Let's, if only let's, I put money behind them. <laughs> if only, right? So let's flip to our team now. Let's flip to this Raptors chat time because it happened. We we we've it's taken all season. I don't think we've been above for a long time now at this point. But we we are oh. back at five hundred, my friend. Three a week, like success. When was it? Like December, January? Like it has been a hot minute since we were at 500 and we did it man like we said we needed that 30 week to to get back to 300 to get to back to 500 to get you know that opportunity to jump atlanta here in the final 6 games of the season their schedule is a little bit easier than ours but hey man like those wins that we just put out this week not a single one was under 12 point margin of victory um, we beat Washington, who's on our heels. We beat the Heat, who are above us. I mean, without Jimmy Butler, granted, but man, we we slapped some teams this week. It felt it felt good to be a Raptors fan finally. <laughs> it, it was nice to look up at the box score and see that nice W put beside each of the wins. And also, when you check the stats too, because like I I was a busy man this week. I was working. I didn't really get an opportunity to watch too much of the Raptors basketball. But 
looking at the stat sheet, you know, seeing Boucher in that first game, 19 points, 13 rebounds, seeing OG with 29 points against the Wizards, and then Scotty against the Heat, 22.7 rebounds, 12 assists, but more importantly, zero turnovers. Like, we're seeing the boys kind of figure out how to play basketball together and right in time for the play-in. Ooh, it's exciting. It's a perfect time for them to kind of figure this out. Um, Just to go back to your Scotty against the Wizards men, like, it was so funny listening to the broadcast and they're talking about how if you're going to make Scotty the main character of the the Toronto Raptors, he's going to be your guy. I'm pretty sure it's Alvin Gentry was like, you know, I just don't see him coexisting with Pascal Siakam. You have to trade Pascal Siakam. And that's something that we've been talking about on this podcast, mm-hmm. you know, for the better part of a year now. And at the end of the day, like, I think that we're going to do it in the summer. And I totally agree with it. But in that heat game, it looked like Scotty OG and Siakam had kind of figured something else out and they were just dominating. I mean, it, it, it's a little bit easier when you get to play Tyler hero and just back him down into the paint and then, you know, open dunks everywhere because they have to send help defenders. But you know, it's, it's still nice to see. <laughs> I mean, this is like the classic poison pill situation of the Raptors, right? Just, just when they fall far enough that you think we should blow it up, you have these golden moments. And then just when they're doing good enough that you think it's worth it, they fall flat. Like, man, it's kind of hilarious at this point that we are just this roller coaster ride of a team. But I'm enjoying the fact that the boys are figuring it out a little bit, right? You know, Jakob is just this absolute, you know, tall tower in the center that we've needed. And Fred is having games here or there. And if Nurse oh, can. If nurse, yeah, if nurse can find the rotations and they can continue this trend into the play-in, you know, it's going to be a good situation for us. I think we'll do well. But again, you look at these other teams around us and it's a little volatile, right? Like Chicago is on a tear seemingly. Atlanta is fighting exactly. for survival. And Miami, like, yeah, we beat them without Jimmy. But like playoff Miami is is a different beast at the end of the day. No, absolutely. Playoff Jimmy Butler is completely different. And that's why I would like to get into that eight seed so that we only have to win the one game. One game. Because I would prefer to not have to play Miami in a winner go home game. And like I don't think Atlanta's gonna jump them. Mm-hmm. So they'd have Atlanta would have to win that game. But you know, Atlanta could pull it out with Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, and, Tr- yep. and Trey's a, a little bit of a different animal in the playoffs. Um, he did make that Eastern Conference Finals a couple of years ago. Um, so I would prefer if we could just have a good solid week, get above Atlanta, play them, uh, play the Heat, I mean, in in that first play-in yeah. matchup. Hopefully take the dub. If we don't, then we come home and we beat whoever, you know, is the winner of the Atlanta-Chicago game. That's that's a dream, right? And, and I remember when the play-in, like, became a thing. And we had we had our boy Russell Westbrook over there with the Wizards in the in the play. And I remember being like right at the end of the season, I was like, they need to get to that eighth seed so that Russell can lose that first game to then win the second game. Now, that's not the scenario I want for the Raptors, obviously, but but being in that seven, eight game gives you that extra chance, obviously. And, you know, considering our situation and our standings. We're we're looking for good playoff basketball for our, for Scotty and the boys, right? That's that's the extent of what we're hoping out of the rest of this season. And you know, if we lose two games in the plans, that would suck. But it's better than losing one game in the plan, right? No, absolutely. And I think that um, we definitely have that opportunity at this point. You know, 
like I think we mentioned that Atlanta's got a little bit of an easier schedule coming down the pipe, um, especially because we do have to play the 76ers, uh, the Celtics twice, yep. I think it is, and or yeah, twice, and then Milwaukee as well. We do get Charlotte in there though, so that's that's kind of nice. Um, I don't feel like Atlanta plays anybody tough except for like Denver coming down the the pike here. I mean, you say it's it's nice for us to get the Hornets, but like our last six game stretch is like a pain sandwich with a little bit of jelly filling, right? You got the Seventy Sixers to open it up. You get two Hornet games, you know, the nice good part of the sandwich, and then it's back to back Celtics, and then the Bucks to close it out, like. It's painful with a, with a little little bit of hope in there. But again, it's the Raptors. In our mind, it's a reverse sandwich because we play like garbage against the bad teams because we're just we're hanging out at their level. And then we, we try to compete against the, the Bucks, the Celtics, the 76ers of the league. And my only concern is, right, the fact that these are all Eastern Conference teams, right? So as much as, you know, the Celtics and the Bucks and, and the 76ers might wanting to be resting their players so that they're ready for the playoffs. We also kind of have a rivalry with, with all of these teams, so they might just be like, we're going to beat these Raptors teams down anyways because that's what we should do to them. So it's going to be a tough, tough final stretch for us. It's a tough final stretch, especially when you think about how close Philly and Boston could be mm-hmm. and the seeding there. So Boston might not be able to rest anybody in those two games against us, yeah. like you mentioned. And and so that though, that makes it more difficult. Like in an ideal world, you know, Embiid's held out of, of tomorrow's game. Tatum is held out of, you know, the back-to-backs. And then, yeah. you know, they hold out Giannis for the final game of the season. But in reality, they're probably all going to play. And and we're probably going to, you know, have our hands full trying to guard those guys. But if we could squeak out some good wins, get some good confidence going into the play-in, I think that'd be great. Because you want to feel like you beat some really yeah. good teams on your way in. You don't want to feel like you just beat up on the the San Antonio's, the Houston's, the Charlotte's of the world. Right. Yeah. And the boys are ramping up, right? Like we've seen this success over the past week or so as they find their chemistry and beating some of these good teams, being able to stop MVP caliber players, you know, that puts a little bit of a tip on your shoulder going into an important play in game that at this point, it's inevitable. We're in the play-in unless we lose all of our games and then we're, we're completely out of it and it doesn't matter yeah. anyways, right? Like, if we go 6-0, and yeah. we end up 44-38. and I think Brooklyn's going to get three wins, right? At least, right? That's a tough one, man. I don't know. Like, they are what? Like, on a bit of a losing streak here. They have to play the Hawks. They have to play the Timberwolves who are fighting and the 76ers. They do have those three easier games against the Magic, the Pistons, and and the Utah Jazz, but mm-hmm. yeah, I guess I guess you p- probably pencil them in for three more wins. So you're right, we'd have to win out, which we're not doing. And, and the other the other side of that is Miami getting four wins, right? And you think about their schedule being a lot easier than ours as well. Like I'm not going to say they have four wins on the schedule, but like Pistons, Wizards, Magic we throw Dallas in there because Dallas is apparently a dumpster fire. Like that's four wins that Miami could get right there. No, absolutely, man. Like they're, they're definitely available. I feel like it's really interesting that the, the Mavs have kind of turned into this dumpster fire. Cause now all the teams that have them left on the schedule are like, that could have been a, a, an L 
previously, but now it's definitely going to be a guaranteed win. What are they like three and nine, four and eight when Luca and, and Kyrie play together? Something like that. Like <laughs> it is not pretty, my friend. I stopped looking at the Dallas Mavericks record uh, about a week and a half ago when I realized that it wasn't going to get better. It wasn't going to make me feel good looking at it. Um, but anything else, anything else Raptors side of things, or we can, we can retouch on them when we're talking about the East. Cause I'm, I'm ready to break down the rest of this table. Yeah, man. I mean, like the fact that we've got to go two and two this week, I think is the only thing that I really want to bring up. Um, you know, we really, really need to stay at 500 and if we could, you know, maybe even go three and one, we could definitely guarantee ourselves that like at least the eight seed, you know, it maybe. would be a really nice feeling. We'd like a little bit of positivity to end this season as Raptors fans. But yeah, we'll we'll touch on these guys as, as we talk about the rest of the table. Maybe when we're talking about, you know, Atlanta or the Bulls or a little bit. But I think talking about Dallas is the more fun situation to talk about because the the West is yeah. wild, right? The West is absolutely wild. And Dallas is now in the 11th seed. They've officially fallen out. This team that, I'm sorry, a month ago was like the fourth seed in, in the West, basically. Like, it's wild. Before they got Kyrie, man, they were like, they were starting to stumble a little bit. But then when you add Kyrie, it's been a like a free fall. Um, it's wild. They're three and seven in their last 10. They have not been playing good basketball. Luca was, you know, quoted as saying that he's not having fun playing anymore, that he's getting frustrated. He's giving money fingers to the refs. Like, like it is not a pretty sight in Dallas right now. And I don't know what you can get for Kyrie in a sign and trade or, you know, if you could trade him at all, like, man, he's brutal walking. out here. He's probably just walking at this point, which is wild. If you, if you stack up all of the decisions that Cuban and this Mavericks team has made since drafting Luka Doncic, you could seriously consider that they used up all of their luck on getting Luka because it has just been bad decision after bad decision endlessly over and over. And like, yeah. I don't want to say we're going to be heading to another LeBron situation, but like if I'm Luka Doncic, there's a better situation and a better option out there. And as much as the devil, you yeah. know, is better than the devil. You don't <laughs> come on guys. Dallas has failed Luka pretty hard at this point. And I think that the, the chatter around him needing a specific team around him and how that like, deducts him in terms of greatness in the eyes of the the media and the fans i think is kind of overblown um i don't know about you but it feels like the milwaukee bucks built that entire roster around Giannis, and it worked out pretty well so nobody holds that against Giannis and Giannis's greatness that he needed the shooters he yeah. needed you know drew holiday and chris middleton Luca just needs the shooters and the the crazy thing is is they had it last year yeah. and instead of you know, doubling down on that philosophy instead of, you know, keeping Jalen Brunson, who you've already had in-house, they kind of just just let it all go and, and try to change up what they were doing, try to get him a big who could play maybe some semblance of defense, Christian yeah. Wood, you know, notwithstanding. And, like, it's just, it's just backfired, man. But when you lose, uh, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith, like you're losing a really good wing defender and knockdown three-point shooter. And that is what Luca needs, right? The, those are the, the things that his game, like his one deficiency is defense. Yeah. What is he amazing at? Luca magic passes. Guys who are open for three, we need people to hit those. 
Like the two things he needs for a competent basketball team, you got rid of. <laughs> for Kyrie, who like is a Luca. Seriously, you you have to be smart. And like I obviously like you know I drank the Kool Aid a little bit. I was excited to see what could be this opportunity for the two of them to play together. But you know this is really. Uh, a situation of the times as well, right? Like you think about the media scrutiny, the conversation around is he, is he not this? Like you take Luka Doncic, you drop him in the NBA 30 years ago. He has a LeBron-esque type of career. Whether or not he does that or doesn't it, it's the idea of the scrutinism of the time might be getting to his head, might be getting to, you know, the Mavericks team and the need to find the success beside it, the need to not waste this time, right? Like, this is this is a situation where everything just seems to be going wrong and it's all piling up and as much as it sucks you still have Luka Doncic like this team is you know some big trades some right moves a couple situations away from being back in the conference finals where they were you know just a little while ago like Luka is that type of magic so we'll see if they can figure out or if he's got to find a new place to to call home it's just nuts man that like he's 24 years old and there's all this pressure on him to win and honestly like i think they took a major step back when they did that Kyrie trade because like you mentioned he'll probably walk in the summer which means that you traded you know a bunch of second round picks dorian finney smith um and spencer dinwiddie for for nothing yeah and so now you've gutted your roster and dallas isn't necessarily like a a free agent hotbed mm -hmm. and so who are you going to go get to go pair with luka Doncic? like could you come after fred van vliet potentially but like he is a free agent so maybe you could sign him away mm -hmm. i don't know if he's gonna fix your issues though and like they need like a like they need a an Anthony Davis type, like a, a Bam Adebayo type. Yeah. Like that would be the the perfect kind of player for Luka Doncic. I mean, could you imagine trading Bam Adebayo for like Kyrie Irving and getting him to the Dallas Mavericks? Like they would be an instant contender because you've got the defense and the big yeah. man and you've got the scoring and the offensive, you know, hub and Luka. Now you just got to fill out the pieces. But this is the, this is the situation, right? Let's figure it out at the end of the day. And, you know, the conversation around Luca the past few years has always been, you know, Dallas doesn't really have enough to be able to get something for Luca. And when you, when you make a blunder like this, in a situation where you already probably didn't have enough around your superstar, like, you know, I, I like playing chess. And at the end of the day, the queen is the most powerful piece on the board. But if all your pawns are gone, you got like, you know, one rook, a knight to help you out, and they've got most of their board. The queen is pretty much locked down, so they've, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, they've got to figure some things out when it comes to Luca, and I have hope Absolutely. because obviously we're we we love Luca, we love what his game is, we know what he can do, and like we saw in the playoffs, like Luca Magic is special, and so we want to see him back, we want to see this team successful, but that pathway just it doesn't it doesn't exist, man, it really doesn't in my mind. Yeah, and I heard this stat that like you know, when he has a good game, when he like, when in their wins, he's like 36, nine and nine. And then in their losses, he's like 38 and eight. So like, they're still both good games, but like you get like a slightly lesser version. Like if he's not at complete yeah. peak powers, absolutely dominating the game, like they have no shot. And that is 100% roster construction. It was a a horrible decision like there are so many teams out there you could drop Luca in and they would be instant contenders and like the roster that the Dallas Mavericks have built is just not it like it's not 
Absolutely. So, so let's look up this Western table now at these other teams that are in this play-in race. Yo. Because I think we've accepted that Utah is not going to be in it. They're, they've pretty much fallen out. Like, Laurie is trying, right? And with the rumors of Dame getting sat down, like, the, those two teams are pretty much out of it. So it's Dallas, and, ab- it's Dallas and above at this point, right? And, I mean, OKC's holding on. The Pelicans are alive. The, the Lakers are rejuvenated. Like, wh- where's your direction, Matt? Where do you want to start? Man, I think I want to talk about those Pelicans who are, you know, 38 and 38 and right there. Like, Brandon Ingram has been playing like a monster. They don't have Zion still. Could he come back for the playoffs? And, like, are they going to be, you know, decently competitive if he's there? I mean, that would be fun, right? I mean, we were talking about it last week. He was two weeks from an evaluation, right? The, the, The timeline would work out for him to come back, but would they want to do that? Would they want to figure out a, a different story? I mean, uh, you you have a player of Zion's caliber. You you don't say no to bringing him on the court, especially if it's a play-in game, right? If it's a one-game series, a player like him can come in and two quarters of dominance is all you need, right? So Yeah, like a minutes restriction, 15 minutes, come off the bench. Like. We, we saw what he did in his first ever game with a minutes restriction. Like, you know, the, at the end of yeah. the day, the fact that the Pelicans are alive is a super fun story for this team because – they have good players and I can't believe I convinced Matt to talk about the Pelicans again because it's like ever since he stopped talking about them they've, they've just been cr- crawling their way Bro. back up dude oh man well you know maybe I want Dallas in the playoffs and so I'm just trying to knock them down a peg. <laughs> oh, oh man. man I wish yeah but no they've been playing well man they're they're right there the Lakers you know they had those uh, you know, split between the Chicago game. LeBron came back, lost in his debut to tiny little Papev. Who... Man, somebody just needs to knock that kid out, okay? Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, you yeah. cannot talk trash to LeBron James. You have made the playoffs how many times in your career? You yeah. cannot talk trash to LeBron James. Like, I mean- I'm sorry. The only the only the time the only time I would say that it's allowed is if you're playing in the seven eight seed uh, play in game against Pat Bev since he is the current you know Pat Bev champion holder trophy and then he can he can talk business but like that's just the Pat Bev story you know he he does what he wants he doesn't care and I mean I feel like I if I can talk about Chicago really quickly I know we were talking about the West yeah. but like Pat Bev is a locker room presence apparently. Because ever since he showed up in Chicago, they figured it out, man. So as much as we can rip on Pat Bev for his, his the way that he acts, like something is working out with him around. Well, he's got like a little Lonzo style of game in him, right? Like he's defensively sound for a guard, which is Lonzo. He's not as flashy of a passer and uh, probably not as good of a scorer. But, you know, that's kind of what they needed. They were the one seed for the majority of last season until Lonzo went down. And we, we can attest to the fact that, you know, without Lonzo, they've been a struggling team. So maybe, you know, having that little bit of extra defensive versatility in the guard spot has now allowed them to kind of bring back that, that identity that made them so good previously. Right. Yeah. And the best part is, is like, I wasn't even talking about his play. His play is good, but it's just his presence, you know. It's the it's yeah. the Pat Bev experience on your roster that is just it, it's a change up, right? And so yeah, Chicago's figured it out to the detriment of of Raptors fans because you know we were we were hoping we weren't going to see yeah we were hoping we were going to see Chicago, Washington, Indiana all go 
nah, we don't really want this. The the 9-10 game doesn't matter. It's fine. Let let whoever is in the ninth seed just take that. But Chicago, they seem like they care, man. They really do. Hey, man, we just need three more wins, and then we've guaranteed ourselves a play-in spot. Now, we are going to have to win one of those back-to-backs against Boston or the 76ers or Milwaukee, but we can get one, I think. I think we can get one. I believe it, right? And and the dream here is that we can jump over Atlanta, right? And when you think about that situation, like, it's totally plausible, right? Like, we, yeah. we've talked about the East play and race the past few weeks as much as nothing really changed in, in the past week, right? Like, the conversation was still Brooklyn-Miami. Are they, aren't they in, in that top of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, are we, like, we've stepped up closer to Atlanta, but it's still almost the exact same story. And the hope is that the positive steps that we made will continue into next week and we can see that flip happen hopefully oh man hopefully because because we're gonna need it um i really don't love our chances of of uh winning two playoff game two play-in games in a row and to be honest like if i'm gonna be like totally hand handicapping it on what i actually think is gonna happen with our raptors i think like 40 and 42 is the record that we end up at um unfortunately but we're hoping for 42 and 40. If we can get to 42 and 40, we know we'll at least be the ninth seed. Yeah. Um, maybe the eighth seed. And then that way we only have to win one playoff game and are guaranteed to. That's kind of nice. Irregardless, you know, when you look at the top of this Eastern Conference table, right? Because confirm now there's four locked teams at the, at the top, right? Yeah. The We're pretty much expecting Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, Cleveland as you know, the four places where we're starting to East right now. And I mean, what do we say about Milwaukee? They're a juggernaut, right? Like Giannis is going to eat in that first round series. Like, you know, we, we got to see that sick Drew Holiday 50 pointer this week, like exciting for him to have those moments. Like Giannis is going to need that come playoff time, but any of these teams up here are going to be a tough battle for anyone else. Just to touch on Milwaukee real quick, man. Like I texted you last night, nine minutes into that game, and he was what thirteen seven and four, and like five of six from the field. Like, gross. Come on, that's just not even fair. Like, it's just like that. Just sucks if you're playing against that. So no, Giannis is clearly, clearly the best player in this league. Um, I'm interested to see if Philly can catch Boston because mm-hmm. you know they they haven't really had the opportunity to do it um they're still a little bit back i I think a full two games back here um but we'll see if if boston you know rests some players or whatever because i think being the the second seed and having a playoff matchup against well actually maybe being the third seed is better playing brooklyn over miami now that i'm thinking about it what would you would you rather play brooklyn or jimmy butler this this is the story right like you kind of want to play brooklyn of the two teams but at the same time like i love that the conversation here is that we have these these you know the two three seed that are potentially flipping and then you have the miami brooklyn who you know whichever one of them is most likely falling is going to win out of it right so you're expecting them to be the six seven and so you're you're sitting here and you're going wait a second, who who are we going to be facing here, right? Like, so getting to that second seed is a big deal at the end of the day. But yeah, I would yeah. rather face Brooklyn to answer your question. Yeah, because I, I think Miami has a good chance of catching Brooklyn here. 
Um, you know, they're a game and a half back. Uh, they just got to make sure to to beat my. I think they've got a game against Brooklyn left. Miami does, and um, don't they? Yeah. No. no and they so, ah, oh, I thought they did. No, they do not. Oh, well, that's gonna be interesting. Cause then, if I'm Boston, like Miami gave us trouble in that Eastern Conference Finals, and was that one wild shot away from Jimmy Butler? You right. know beating them yeah and if i'm the 76ers we lost to them last year in the playoffs like i guess like the whole competition thing is you'd want to avenge yourself but you're also trying to stay in the tournament as long as you can so i don't know man playing miami in a grueling series in the first round that is not something that i would sign up for as a top two seed and this this is where the mind games come into the end of the season of will they won't they this is why we're talking about like hey maybe tatum will sit you know once they've decided they know that it's going to be that maybe Giannis won't play in that final game right because it literally doesn't matter and they actually need to rest up for the playoffs. like we we can hold that to hope but at the end of the day it looks like as much as the Western Conference play-in race is like the cream of the crop right now, the East has some really intriguing storylines that are going to go down to the wire. Well, I think the East is actually more intriguing and more like tightly knit. Um, just because I I think that um, between Golden State and LA, like the Clippers, they're they're kind of out of it at this mm. point. I feel like Golden State solidified themselves as a as a top six seed. And so now it's just between where Minnesota, LA, the Lakers, New Orleans, and OKC are going to end up. And if Dallas can kind of poke their way in there. Um, Hold out to hope. Yeah. But I think that that's, it's about those five teams figuring out which one's going to be out and where they're going to all end up. Whereas like, you know, in the East, like Miami could jump out of the play-in mm-hmm. and be the sixth seed. So, like, let's say you're you're Philly and you're you're like, oh, we don't want to be the second seed. We want to play Brooklyn in the first round. Yeah. So we're losing games, and then you know Miami jumps out, and now you play Miami in the first round. Or let's say you know you're you're Boston and you're you're seeing the seven seed is Miami, but then they lose to, you know, us or Atlanta in the first yeah. playing game and now you don't have to play them. Now Milwaukee's gotta play them. So it's it's a it's an interesting thing right there. Um I think that's more intriguing than than the Western Conference. Cause you know the teams are gonna make it. Like and I feel bad for Dallas, but like I'm gonna say that they're not gonna make it. Well that's the fun of it, right? Like as the as this West play in playoff race that we've really been closely following for the past three weeks starts to come down it starts to die down and it's like well it's not as exciting anymore because this team's a lock that team's a lock the east does have these little moments that you know a game here a game there a winning bucket in you know a late game night that you know the rest of the games have already been played like there's 12 there's 12 games that are going to be played tomorrow so life is kind of crazy and anything is is possible with these matchups so it's going to be fun to watch the rest of this table kind of figure itself out in the last week and a half of the season. Yeah. And the, the, I think the craziest part about the Western conference is that like, nobody thinks the top three seeds can actually do anything. It, it all starts with Phoenix true, and then like golden state and then LA are like the three favorites to come out of that conference. And you, that's the five, the six and the eight. Like, it's just, it's such a, or it's such a weird thing to me. Like, I don't and, know, man. And it's tough too because I'm sitting here and I'm like, which side of the the pendulum do I want to be on? The this is great for basketball and we're gonna have some amazing Western Conference basketball, you know, all the way throughout. Or the 
is it going to be crazy when all of the top seeds lose? We have these weird disappointments, and then we forget about it because the second round matchups are sick with all these star powers that came in at the lower seeds. Like, is this just a win-win for for basketball fans? Like, as long as it's not your team, like Eastern Conference fans <laughs> over here watching the West eating good, right? Like, am and I, I wrong? And I feel like like the what's probably going to happen because we're all expecting the lower seeds to do well is that the top seeds are just going to, you know, yeah. dominate like they normally do. Like Denver's going to oust um, LA. Um, Sacramento is going to oust Golden State. Uh, Memphis is going to take out Minnesota, even though they had a really good series last year too. So that could be mm-hmm. a, a nice fun rematch. Um, I just, I don't see it, man. I just, I, I feel like, those bottom teams have all the star power and like all the, like the media hype and hope behind them. But I really think it's those, those top tier teams that have been doing it all season. They've been proving it. You know, it's an 82 game schedule for a reason. And they lasted the whole season playing the way that they are, they're playing. And like you said, man, Sacramento has got the best offensive rating in the history of the NBA. So playing golden state, which has struggled defensively this year, like could be a blessing in disguise for them and knocking out the champs, giving them that kind of confidence might propel them to, you know, go from a 16 year playoff drought to the NBA finals. Like who knows? That's the crazy part about this year is that it, it has never felt this open one through eight. It's honestly a good time to be a neutral basketball fan, but Matt over here is just pumping my veins with like good Kings vibes. Okay. He's trying to, he's trying to inflate my ego even more because yes, you heard it here first. The 16-year drought is over. Can you believe it? The Kings are going to be in the playoffs. And not just in the playoffs, Matt. Uh, They're going to host a first-round series, which I believe if you go back about 20 20 episodes in this podcast, I make that statement, and Matt laughs at me a little bit because he's like, yo, they're they're good, but there's no way that'll happen. And like you said, here we are a full season of games later, and they're doing it. Bro, you'd convinced me that they were going to be good this summer, and I still had a hard time putting them in a play-in spot. I had a hard time doing that. So the fact that they're the three seed, like, it's just awesome, man. And I'm going to steal it from you here, but I know you want to talk about it. Mike Brown, like, runaway coach of the year? Like, I think Tom Thibodeau is the only guy that you could kind of throw in with him as a, you know a poor team overreaching expectations and but i think it's gotta be mike brown who was laughed at universally when he was hired man like crazy the, the storyline is there it has to be done like you're right tibbs is the other story but didn't they give it to tibbs like two two years ago or so when the 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 knicks had their thing like they made I, it the first time yeah like yeah. this is this is the thing i feel like it the carpet is being time. laid out for mike brown right now and the fact that he was built up under the golden state umbrella to have those years of success working with steve kerr to then go and join this king's team who can i just say has had 11 different head coaches in this 16 year stretch like like 2006 okay the first tweet was ever put out in twitter okay mike bibby and bonzo were leading the sacramento team lebron won the 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 mvp award of the all-star game for the first time like there's so many memories was the youngest in history to do it and now he's the oldest guy in the league getting any kind of serious minutes kobe dropped 81 on the raptors that year that's how long ago it was since this team was in the playoffs it is such a big deal like this is this is the situation right and so 
the carpet is being laid out for Mike Brown. Yeah. And if it's if the conversation hasn't been started already, I fully expect to be waking up on Tuesday, Wednesday morning next week, and there's a first take conversation about it because like it, it has to be it. It has to be Mike Brown. It has to be his story now. Like I, I just oh. don't see it any other way. It 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 can't be anybody else's man. Because like even though the like over on like i think the over under for them was like 36 like it was for us last year yeah and like it, most people knew that they were probably gonna go over like they felt good about their roster they didn't think that they were gonna be here man they really didn't the fact that keegan murray has broken donovan mitchell's three-point shooting record as a rookie wow. like they picked the right player for their system, even though like we were clowning them, everybody was clowning them on missing out on Jaden Ivy. And you know, Jaden Ivy's probably gonna still end up being the better player, but they picked the right guy for what they're building, and that's just awesome for that man. Like, you know, to to pass on Luka Doncic and draft Marvin Bagley and then to nail this one, I'm sure they feel really good about themselves. This is sorry, the thing, right? Sorry, the, I had to. The, but, <laughs> but, but like we were talking about the juju earlier, right? The fact that the Dallas Mavericks have like all their luck in the, in the Luka Doncic basket and every decision they've made after has been trash. Looks like Sacramento Kings, like I'm not going to say every decision they've made since Marvin Bagley has been a good decision because that's definitely not a true statement. But the past year and a half, what they've done, getting Kevin Herter figuring out their rotation and allowing Mike Bibby to run with this pretty young team. Like, man, it, it's such a good success story. And it's why I cannot wait to see them in the playoffs. And also the last thing about Sacramento, if you haven't watched a game yet, please turn it on. The arena is unreal. It is going to be the best place to go and watch oh, an NBA yeah. playoff game this season by far. And it will not even be like that beam, baby light that beam. Ugh, okay okay yeah so the only other thing matt that, that i think we should talk about this week because it is coming down to the wire is obviously this mvp race you know it still is the three-headed monster these three guys are doing it but at the end of the day it's really going to come down to personal preference i think like whoever has a vote is either already decided or is this close to figuring it out so i'm not going to say that it's already decided and already out there but there's not much more that these three guys can do. Look, I think that Giannis is the MVP. Agreed. I think that like, he is. I just don't think that he's allowed to qualify for it in the the eyes of the voters, in the eyes of the media. They're just like, well, it's kind of boring to give it to you. You're, you know, the LeBron James of this era. Like, we don't really care. We're going to pass you up yeah. and go for a guy like Embiid. Uh, who, you know, is probably going to win his first this year, even though he didn't play that game against Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets ended up smoking them. And Denver did beat Milwaukee, you know, this, this past week, but it doesn't, like, one game in the season doesn't make that big of a difference for me. Giannis is going to be the, what, the fifth or sixth player in NBA history to average 30, 10, and 5. You know, if you're watching first take, JJ Reddick's just shouting that out. Yeah. He also was talking on his old man podcast about how, you know, he's going to be one of, you know, the the five guys to do it or six guys to do it with a 70% winning percentage. And all of those guys, I think, except for like Elgin Baylor was the other guy. We all won MVPs that right. year. So how is he not the MVP? But at the end of the day, they're Giannis fatigue. As long as we don't give it to Nikola Jokic, because like again, I think Jokic is a great player, but 
to have him have win win three straight and to have Giannis only win two and then get completely disqualified from all further MVPs is yeah, just exactly. garbage in my opinion. Yeah, it's so give it to Embiid or give it to Giannis. I mean, it's totally plausible that we're gonna look back, you know, in history at this moment as the you know MVP that was stolen from Giannis, right? But also, we're already talking about how Jokic's first MVP was potentially the one that was stolen from Giannis, and now, like, it's just this building blocks of situations where these three guys have just been this dominant at the top of basketball, and we're trying to give them awards left and right as we can, and it's just seemingly not working right. So. I'm with you. I'm 100%. Like, I think Giannis is the MVP. What he's doing is unreal. They're the top of the East. They're going to be the top of the NBA. Like, I do not. Like, they could lose all of their games, and I still think that they probably have a better record than Denver at this point, right? Like, yes, Denver would have to then win all of their games, too, to flip, but Giannis is too good. But at the end of the day, I think I'm on the same line of thinking of you. As much as I don't want it, I think Embiid is is lined up to get his MVP. I think he's worked hard enough for it at the end of the day. Well, I, I think it's just so funny because, like, the Jokic fans use the, well, Embiid might have better stats at the moment, but Jokic has a better seeding. And then it's like, okay, but Giannis has the best seeding. Yeah, but Jokic has better per stats. And it's like... <laughs> I don't the, know about the that. The snap man. reaction to defend it, right? The fact that Giannis is averaging 31, 6, and 12 on 32 minutes a night, I think that that's MVP. You know, it's he's consistently dominant. He is consistently unstoppable. He's not gonna have a a below 10 shot night like Jokic is. Yeah. I understand that Jokic has better passing and can control the game a little bit better through other ways, but you know, if if you guys idolize Michael Jordan so much, like Giannis is that. Like he is that type of basketball. He is a downhill, put it in your mouth, you can't stop me, come at me because I'm too big and strong and too fast. Mm. So like it's just like pick what you want, guys. Pick I mean, what you want. I'm hoping that the narrative changes, right? Because I'm I'm not a fan of the negativity of it, right? Like the the fact of the matter is there were people genuinely worried that when this era, you know, five years ago of basketball, of the of the LeBron, of the Steph Curry, you know, of the Kevin Durant era, when it ended, there were people who were legitimately concerned about if the torch could get passed, if the league could continue to be carried. We have three of the most dominant big men in history who are all under 30, I'm pretty sure, yep. right? Yeah, and then all you under have, 29. Right, and then you also have Tatum, Luka, Jaw. Like, you have so many of this young talent that I don't, I don't think we have, we have to be worried. So I think that needs to be the conversation, no. right? Let's celebrate success instead of fighting over this and that and the other thing. Like, I'm really hoping that the narrative can change once this MVP is just given and out of the way. Yeah, man, I'm I'm totally with you, and I I don't think that you need to disparage another player in order to build up your play, like, like yeah. your guy. I think they're all amazing at what they do. Just personally, if I'm gonna take one guy, I'm taking Giannis, and it's and it's really not that close. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, uh, Jokic and Embiid, um, 28, and Giannis, uh, he's gonna be 29 this year, so. This is this is the situation, right? At the end of the day, we got at least another six we, years of that. We're we're in absolutely good hands. And now I I do I do find it hilarious that that you're taking Giannis there when I'm when I'm when I'm looking at the takes. I think we're we're ready to move into takes here, and I don't see a Milwaukee victory, my friend. 
hey man just because uh you know he's the best player in the world he had a monster game last night so i'm gonna give him the night off i'm gonna say that they lose to boston um and then you know denver gets the dub over new orleans uh it is what it is but at the end of the day i'm i'm trying to keep my streak going of above 75 percent here so i need both because they're the only two games tonight yeah absolutely matt and he and he took the easy way out because you know normally matt's the crazy guy and he'll look at the game to the the schedule tomorrow and see 12 games and go yeah let me let me call all of those but we're at the end of the season here you know it's, it's all about percentages here right and I don't have the confidence Matt has when it, when it comes to uh, in, individual game calls, Calling but these games. <laughs> Matt knows that, that I like numbers and I like a little bit of chaos. So, so we were looking at these like, games, right? And so there's 12 games on the night. And so, you know, you average out, you're estimating at least 200 a game. So, you know, at least 2,400 points here. So my call is that we're expecting 2,514 points total on the games tomorrow night. I'm excited to see how close or how absolutely far off I can be from that. Man, I think uh, you'll be close. Um, what, plus or minus 50 and, and we'll give it to you? Yeah, I'll take that, man. I'll absolutely take plus or minus 50. That's the hope. Okay, cool. I'll give you plus or minus 50. <laughs> All right, tune in next week for when we can see how close I can do with my numbers. But anything else you got to say, my friend? No, nah, man, you're good to wrap us up. Perfect. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up, and check out theboardsports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.